Welcome to the Jolt Episodes. This is a feature of the In Awe Podcast meant to give you energy and a boost to look around your world and exercise a signature strength. Between interviews with incredible women who leave us awe-inspired, I will share stories that will prompt you to look around and see the beauty in your own world. I hope you find yourself awe-inspired. Hello to my In Awe community, and I am glad that you are here for this Jolt episode today, where I'm getting back to getting on track and sharing stories of faith in action from Lead with Faith. As all of us process through navigating this pandemic, I'm struck by a theme that continues to weave itself throughout many of my own interactions, from interviews I've done this month to webinars, personal friends, stories, my children, and in my own world. There's so much of of this that we are needing to grow through. And the theme that continues to weave is that the challenge that we face and the power to embrace letting go. I'm not surprised at all to find a beautiful connection in the theme for the story that I had planned to share today. If you've been listening to the Jolts in 2020, you know that I've been sharing Faithful Leaders Insights. Today's uh, today's message comes from the H in faith, which stands for leading with heart. From the chapter titled Wholehearted Living, we hear from my dear friend, Neil Gupta. It's not a surprise to me that the timing of Neil's message means I see something new in it, and I am profoundly inspired when I considered how the message carries weight for all of us now as we consider how to help one another through shifting components in our lives, navigating anxieties, letting go of what we have known and cultivating community in a time that looks more different than our norm. Here is Neil Gupta's faith in action story. It happened so fast that I know we didn't stop to consider all of the ramifications of the decision. Just the sheer potential in moving to a larger suburban district with a greater role was enough for me to emphatically accept the job offer. Due to the continued support from my family, they supported the decision to leave our hometown and move to another city. While the distance wasn't far per se, we did leave behind our extended family, our church, and our familiar surroundings. In theory, it was the perfect time to move. I was feeling the itch for a change. My wife had just completed a degree in nursing and would be looking for a new job, and our oldest son would be starting middle school. Although it was just an hour away from our hometown, the new city was a culture shock with the varied demographics and expectations. While I prided myself on meeting new people, establishing myself in a whole new city was like drinking from a fire hose. I dove into work, which consumed all parts of my day, thinking and life. It took a few months for my wife to find a suitable job, and she was often lonely during the workday looking for friends to connect with. And my boys found it hard to integrate into the school community searching for good friends to trust as they adjusted to their new life. While I knew it was hard for them, and including me, I downplayed the need for us to address the challenges early on. I kept telling myself it would get better on its own. Pretty soon, we discovered the need to lean on each other. Our bond as a family got tighter as we realized the opportunity we had in talking with one another of the things we were struggling with. My wife and I shared our struggles with the kids. It helped us to not only share what was in our heart, but also model the release just in talking. Our kids also felt a relief to be able to share about their anxieties, frustrations, and fears. Most often, we spent time just listening and giving one another a hug for comfort. We also leaned on our church family. We found a great church early on, which seemed to have connections for all of us to have with other families. Church members quickly took us in by praying with us and inviting us to dinner. Our oldest son plugged into youth group activities and was mentored by spiritual, spiritual young men who became great supports for him. It's been seven years since the move, and we still miss seeing our family on a regular basis. We also find ourselves in a culture shock at times, but none of us regret the decision to move. It helped us to not only move to a place that provided us with more opportunities, but it helped us to find the strength in leaning on each other to build our relationship as a tighter family. And we became even more aware of the need to pray, to seek out others, to build community, to realize the true importance of family, and to step out on faith that things will get better. 
So much of what Neil describes in this section feels all too real right now. When he says the new surroundings felt like drinking from a fire hose, I imagine that's how many of us are feeling. We are all learning new ways of existing right now. Even if we have not physically moved, our work has. The lives of our children's schedules have shifted. We're forming new communities and trying to maintain our old right now. A piece that spoke right to my heart in the rereading of Neil's story is his emphasis on his family leaning, learning to process through the changes. For us, uh, we tried early on in this stay-at-home time to embrace the new, new schedule, new workspaces, new approach for our day, and much of our plans fell off. We didn't talk as a family about the challenges. Rather, Joe and I did as we um, analyzed, we talked about them as we analyzed what we could do better for our kids and our own mental health. Just as Neil noted, downplaying the need to address the challenges only led to more confusion for us. More and more, I'm seeing people willing to address challenges to talk about the struggles. What an important measure for us to take right now for ourselves and for one another. Leading with heart means cultivating wholehearted living and letting go of what weights us down. Neil acknowledged that the shift was good for them, but there were nuances that needed to be addressed and the family coming together made them stronger. This resonates with me right now as we work in the Johnson household to create our own sense of team. We've always called ourselves Team Johnson, but the reality of whether or not we were functioning as a wholehearted one is being made clear to me the longer we spend concentrated time together with no other outlets outside of our home. If I think about it, we've been forced to move away right in our own town. Neil's insights can serve us all and help us to consider how we can learn and lean into cultivating more wholeheartedness during this time. As a family, we implemented morning and afternoon meetings starting last week, and I cannot tell you what this has done for our family. As Neil noted in his own story, allowing our kids to talk about what they are facing has great power, and for us to be real with our own challenges holds power and connection. We're still sorting it out, and nothing is perfect, but I'm grateful for this intentional check-in time that we created to keep us better connected. In the section on wholehearted living in Lead with Faith, I share from Brené Brown's guideposts for wholehearted living that she published in The Gifts of Imperfection. Friends, if you have not read her work, I feel like now is the exact perfect time. A major realization that I have had to come to in the past few years has been that we all, as a society, spend way too much time focusing on keeping ourselves busy, and that eventually leads to a version of ourselves we don't want to be remembered. If there's a gift that comes out of this pandemic, I pray that it is that the way we function in this world shifts to a slower pace, that whatever habits we begin building to keep ourselves sane and connected, grounded, and big in heart stays with us when the activity picks up again. At the crux of Neil's story and in Brene Brown's work is a key I don't want us to miss, is that we need to learn to let go in order to cultivate wholeheartedness. If we spend too much time looking at a closed door, we'll miss another open in the hallway. If we ignore that pain that can occur in letting go, we miss the opportunity to fully embrace what we have in front of us. One of the greatest challenges early on I personally faced, and maybe you can relate to this, is the way I have been forced to let go of a lot. I stood to make the most income for my family than I have been able to in one month since I left the principalship, and that was to cover three months of our bills and expenses when I had no other work scheduled. The financial hit, like many of us, has been tremendous, and I love my work. Letting go of conferences, workshops, coaching, not to mention needing to cancel seven flights in the past two weeks. As a family, we have had to let go of birthday gatherings, state competitions, vacation, and most intensely, the ability to gather and hug after losing a dear friend. We have let go of normalcy, interaction, freedoms, and security of all sorts. If you and I were to sit down and list out all we have let go of in the past month collectively, we could fill up a page, no doubt. And I want to acknowledge that challenge. We cannot ignore it. We must face them, talk about them, restabilize ourselves, and learn to release. But there is something else on the other side of that letting go that I have found to be absolutely critical. 
When we let go, we need to cultivate something wholehearted in ourselves to replace what we released and create in us more whole beings. For this, I look to the guideposts. As for me, I am being very mindful about one of these guideposts in our home, though we could focus on all 10 every day. It's cultivate laughter, song, and dance. Let go of being cool and always in control. I wrote extensively about this guidepost in Lead with Faith, and now more than ever, I feel the importance of doubling down on this one. We need joy in our home, and I need to be my most joyful as I serve. At my core, I am an extrovert. My energy comes directly from being with people, and for almost two years, I've spent a lot of time alone in my home, writing, podcasting, and connecting through Zoom or other video conferencing periodically. I realize this style of living has dramatically impacted the energy that I bring to my home, and that has simply not changed during this stay-at-home time for me, friends. The difference is I can no longer supplement with those interactions with face-to-face the way I used to, you know, the grocery store, kid pickup, evening events, practicum hours in schools. My energy is never on point the way it has always been when I'm swirling around in the presence of people. So I am being very intentional about cultivating laughter, song, and dance because those three are important in the way I want to be remembered. I can do that on my own. I do it by listening to music intentionally. And if you know me, you know I will sing a song based off of a sentence that you have just said to me, mostly in my mind, but I've been very mindful about letting those songs roll out of my mouth instead of just singing them in my head. The girls and I have been having daily dance parties and Joe joins and even starts his own. I'm allowing my more base humor to come out in interaction with my family. Memes are plenty, and I am intentional about telling jokes and sharing laughter with my girls more than ever because I'm still mourning the loss of a dear friend. I need these in my life more than ever. When we think about the guidepost for wholehearted living, we have to look at both sides, what we cultivate or feed and what we let go of. It should feel empowering to do both, a beautiful balance of gather up and drop off. And as I say this, I know that this message is landing for many of you. We can't pile on laughter, song, and dance while trying to keep calm and control. Something has to go in order for a wholehearted living to grow. But you may need something else. So here are the 10 guideposts coupled with what Brene Brown says to let go of. Listen carefully to see what speaks most to you. One, cultivate authenticity. Let go of what people think about you. Two, cultivate self-compassion. Let go of perfectionism. Three, cultivate a resilient spirit. Let go of numbing and powerlessness. Four, cultivate gratitude and joy. Let go of scarcity. Five, cultivate intuition and trusting faith. Let go of the need for certainty. Six, cultivate creativity. Let go of comparison. Seven, cultivate play and rest. Let go of exhaustion as a status symbol and productivity as self-worth. Eight, cultivate calm and stillness. Let go of anxiety as a lifestyle. Nine, cultivate meaningful work. Let go of self-doubt and supposed to. And 10, cultivate laughter, song, and dance. Let go of being cool and always in control. When I read back through these, I'm personally grateful for the focus on wholehearted living for the past few years in my own life. So many of these guideposts are so critical right now in this new space for us. And I deeply empathize with the challenges that are involved in the stillness needed to cultivate this. Friends, I encourage you to consider which one of these wholehearted living guideposts you can begin to intentionally focus upon. During and after this time period in our lives, we will all benefit from becoming our most whole versions. And our whole world needs more of your heart. All of it, in fact. Cultivate what you need most now, friends. Let's all strive to live whole, even when our hearts feel tattered and bruised. Let's let go so we can wholeheartedly grow. Blessings, my friends.
Hey, you. Yeah, I'm talking to you, listener, checking out this jolt episode. Hey, I want to see what you're seeing in the world. So hop on over to Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or wherever you want and pop out a quick sentence or a picture or something that inspired you this week. Let's let's share with one another. Show the community what you're seeing with your eyes to see the beauty in the world. Hashtag in awe to rise.